Welcome. You are listening to the Learning to Believe Again podcast with your host, Brittany Bexton. Where do you begin when you're learning to believe again? Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. This week, I have Shannon Davis on. Shannon Davis. And I live in the Pacific Northwest, born and raised here. I um, I now coach, but I started out my career in alternative medicine. So I've always been fascinated with the ancient paths, um, breathing, movement, massage, um, things that will heal, that we have access to, that we can do for ourselves, or um, uh just simple ways to heal, like grounding, putting your feet in the grass for 10 minutes a day, things like that, that fascinates me. So I have um, decided to create a one path. So now I coach in different areas, but it's through one path, it's through a trauma-informed lens. So now I coach um, people that have experienced trauma. I've found that people who have experienced trauma try different diets, try different coaching, try different exercise programs, and they do not work for them because trauma stays trapped in the body until it's acknowledged and released. And so we come at it from that perspective. So now I just, I love this area where I'm from and um, I'm known in the area. I work in the schools. And I, um, I just help people understand that trauma has to be acknowledged to be healed. It cannot be brushed under the rug. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. And I have been privy to catch some of Shannon's lives and things that she shared where she does resources on her page, a trauma-informed way. And it's really powerful. So I encourage you to find her. It's Facebook. And it's a, it, your page is called a trauma-informed way, right? Or is it a group? I can't remember. Yes. So um, the reason that I mentioned that where I started and where I come from, because I put it all in one area. So anywhere you look for me, it is a trauma informed way. It's a trauma informed way.com at a trauma informed way. And that's just because I like to say that it is a way. It is yeah. not a way. Yeah. This is a way to heal. This is a perspective, a lens to try if, and usually they've tried everything else and it hasn't worked because trauma is invasive and it impacts every area of your life, spiritual, financial, mental, emotional, psychological. And, and if you do not address it, it will come back. You can't just say, Oh, it's fine. It's been 20 years. No, no, (laughs) it's fine. And so, um, and so that's why, I just, I funneled it all through one thing now. I just, I just decided that I'm just going to have this one perspective and then I'm going to coach from that perspective. And that's where I'm I love it. I've had some experience with trauma in my past too. So I really appreciate what you're doing because it's so true. What you said, you have to deal with it. Is it Ron Evaz or is it Jennifer who says, if you don't deal with your past, it will deal with you. Jennifer. Okay. Jennifer. She a prophet that talks about trauma more than anybody else. And I really appreciate that because it's not talked about in my opinion enough in the church. I agree. 
I agree. So diving in, obviously you have experience with trauma in your past. Otherwise you wouldn't be as passionate about it. I find that we're drawn to the areas that we have the most experience in healing because we want to help people and what we've fought through. But I want to go back even maybe a little earlier than that and just say, I know that you're a really strong believer. I met Shannon through these prophetic groups that we're both in. But did you know God always when you were a child? Were you introduced to God young? Did you have a relationship with him then? So um, I was introduced to God at 13 and was saved right away. But before that, I talked to God, but I didn't know it was him. I um, thought I was talking to myself. Um, uh, and so when I got saved and met Jesus, I real I was like, it's been you, you've been the one like, so it was really enlightening to me. And so I didn't realize that everyone else didn't have that relationship with God where they were yeah. talking to him always. And so to me, it was very normal. Um, I didn't find out till later that that was not normal. And unfortunately for me, my family, um, labeled me as crazy. And so I um, took that label because of course I didn't know um, any better. And so I went on a journey to discover what was wrong with me and how to heal it. And um, it caused a lot of trauma in my life. I thought I was actually crazy. I believed them. And I did two psychological tests in my life just to see what I could do to help myself. And I found out that I was not crazy. I was being gaslit. And, um, and that was very hard. That was another trauma on top of, of being traumatized as a child, then also realizing that they were, you know, that it was them. They were the one as me. It was the reason that I'm so passionate because I don't want kids. I'm doing trauma informed kids. I do not want to ever think that they are crazy because they are discerning. Right. Yes. That's so important because it's so easy for people that have not experienced that like level of discernment to brush someone else's sensitivities and emotions that come from discernment off as crazy when really they're actually gifted spiritually and they're feeling things and sensing things and aware of things that other people aren't. Yes. And, and my youngest child is very discerning and God has told me that he is going to show me what he had intended for me through my daughter, because I get to support her in her walk with the Lord. I get to say, yes, you're seeing that you're hearing that. And I get to um, protect her innocence in the kingdom um, because I know what she's saying is real. I know her world and her realm that she lives in so innocently is very, very real. Yeah. And we could actually learn a lot from it. And so I document and have been documenting everything my youngest says since she's two. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. And so I have written a um, a short book for, and everything I do is for kids and parents. So that's coach for kids and parents for, for the trauma. But I have picked six of her encounters, things that she's told me Jesus has told her, came with the scripture, showed the parents how to care for the kid while it's happening. It's, it's for parents whose kids, who has kids who can see. For parents who's with kids who see. 
Yeah. So that's what it is. And it's just very simple. It's going to be like a, um, just a very, it's a pamphlet really. It's not yeah. like, it's not anything big yet. It's basically just, so here you go, parent. If your kid sees and they're telling you supernatural things, this is why. Yeah. And I'll share one of them, Brittany, it was, she said, mama, Jesus wants my prayers. Wow. And she was two and a half years old. Wow. I said, yes, he does, baby. He wants my mama. Jesus wants my prayers. And I said, yes, he does. He wants mine too. And so just to know that your kids know. Yes. She was called as an intercessor. Like, I mean, she was a babe. Yeah. But we will tell kids that they're not, you know, we have to notice what they're noticing because the kids notice the kingdom. Yes, they do. <laughs> so, so anyways, so yeah, Brittany, that's where I'm focusing. I'm getting, I'm focusing that, that area there. So no yeah. kid, um, cause that's what happened to me. I was told I was crazy and I believed them, mm. you know, I don't yes. to believe that they're crazy because it wasted so much time. Yeah. Could have been people, what was being seen in the kingdom? What was yeah. going on? What's going on in heaven? Right. You know? And saved yourself the trauma at the same time. Well, yes, but we don't know that yet. We don't right. know. We're just now touching yeah. what happens and why and and that kids are not to be seen yeah. enough. We Absolutely. have to from that. Yes. Yeah. Especially, you know, kids are born and they are so innocent. You know, it's like they are so more much more discerning than us in some ways, just because they don't have the layers of the noise of the world that have been put on them yet. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to sift through as much noise to hear God. It's true. It's true. It's been a delight and a total redemption of my story, Brittany, to come yeah. at into a place where I can raise my kids um, in a way where I can cultivate their gift set. I can say that, yes, you are, you are a um, triune being and yeah. Spirit man is very important and what's going on in the spirit is very important and um, yeah. just as valid as what is going on in the natural. Yeah. Um, and if we can get that language out there more, Brittany, if we can normalize the supernatural, the divine for our children, then they will grow up and create and, and recognize the trauma that, that when people are unhealthy, it's not that we have to go attack them. We can just recognize where they are at and not participate with it. Yeah. We don't have to get all in a tizzy fit about right. toxicity. We separate ourselves from it, yep. but we recognize it. Yes. Because when we don't recognize it, we stay stuck in that loop. I agree. I think that's so important. It's like, you don't want to dwell on toxicity or dwell on what's going on with someone, but you have to be educated enough to recognize what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find that so important because if we don't educate on what is toxic, then it's easy to get looped into what is toxic. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely a balance there, you know? Well, I graze that a lot. <laughs> yes. And toxic people are master manipulators. Yes. It's going to be easy to identify. Yep. It's a tactic though. And what's really cool is that the enemy and abusive tactics are the same. It's true. We master tactics of the enemy of an abuser. We will never be fooled again. And God intends that for us. Yep. Intends us to use our weapons of warfare well. And guess what one of those is? Discernment. That's right. That's right. 
so I just, I, um, I just, I'm really excited for this. I was really excited to find Jennifer's uh, mentorship actually, because she yeah. does talk so freely about trauma in the church and brushing things under the rug, because I didn't know how to bridge the gap from what I do. I'm in the schools and businesses. I do not talk about Jesus in my trauma education at all. I yeah. use with truth. This is the truth. Mm-hmm. Because the spirit of truth is Jesus, but I don't right. have to identify that because I wouldn't be welcome in the schools or banks yeah. the, the way that I am now. Right. Uh, because I'm not known as a Christian business. I'm just a Christian running a business. So right. it's a big difference for me in the, and as things get um, darker and more separate, um, I will be able to go covert a lot longer. Yeah. I'm not overtly a Christian business, so I will be covert for a lot longer than other businesses. And not to say that we don't need Christian businesses, because we do. We I do. look at them. I, look yeah. I want to do business with Christians. But people in my business will have to know that I'm a Christian. It's not going to be overt. Right. Right. Well, and sometimes... <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell a really quick story because I think it's funny and it kind of reminds me of this. I guess during the Jesus movement, I've had someone on the podcast who got saved during the Jesus movement. And I guess what they did back then was once they were saved, when they decided to get married, instead of having a separate wedding, what they would do is get married at the end of a church service. And they would invite all of their unsaved friends to their wedding. And they would have to sit through a church service to see their friends get married. And I laughed so hard when he told me that because it's like, wow, that's kind of a sneaky Jesus move, you know, but like he got saved because that's what they did because they were able to hear the messaging. Sometimes we have to be covert because someone can't just hear the in your face gospel. They need the gentleness and they need to feel like they can approach it on their own in a sense. And when you're giving them the truth like that, it's kind of leading them on their own journey with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. That's my intention. So my whole intention behind everything I do is for them to have a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. Yeah. When I release the spirit of truth on them, they can't help but be changed. Holy yeah. Spirit can't help but be himself. Yeah. Jesus comes when we call for him. He does not um, give us a stone when we ask for bread. He gives and he gives and he gives and he is so yeah. to give his spirit and he it can be released co- uh, covertly with yeah. truth. The yeah. truth comes in in so many different ways, but it doesn't change. Jesus is the truth. Right. So when I'm preaching the truth covertly, I'm preaching the gospel. Yeah. Because yeah. I tell them, what lie are you believing? Oh, I'm unworthy because of the way I was treated. Okay, well, what's the truth? I am right. inherently worthy because I'm a human being. I'm alive. Right. So they know that their worthiness comes from being. Yep. What does that mean to them? Well, they're going to have a face-to-face encounter with truth because their worthiness comes from their life. Right. Their breath. Where does their breath come from? Well, let me tell you. It comes from Jesus. Yeah. So, and they, and so I don't have to sit there and say, you need Jesus. You need to repent. Although I'm saying that. Right. But I'm not using those words. Right. Right. But they're having to come to Jesus moments. I'll tell you that right now. I bet they are. <laughs> Isn't that funny? It's, it's so funny because you kind of like trauma. It's like this, when you deal with trauma, it's this gentle process. And yet it's also a very confronting process. 
because you're being gentle with the person, but you're confronting the lies with aggression. Mm-hmm. And you have to, you have to come against those lies with aggression. Otherwise the lies can continue on. It, you were saying something earlier and it connects to this too. It made me think of the verse wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. Yes. Yes. Because when we are informed, when we do educate ourselves or are being educated by not just the Holy Spirit, but by the truth of different things, when we understand how toxic people and toxic situations work, we are gaining wisdom. So we are able to be wise as a serpent, but then the gentleness of the dove is the Holy Spirit working through us so that we can set healthy boundaries without being aggressive, so that we can gently approach people that are still working out of situations like that, but still confront those lies head on, you know? Yes. Yes. That is what I teach. I teach, I teach how to defend yourself in verbal assault and how to stay in your integrity. So that that toxic people will push us to react in a way that's outside of our character. Yes. Learning how to speak to people who are manipulating you, lying to you, gaslighting you without reacting is key because recognize that you're someone's trying to manipulate you gaslight you abuse you anyway you can switch into the mode of communication that i teach for people with toxic communication skills and i do that for parents and i do that for children in fact i'm i'm getting ready i just rolled out my parenting class for toxic co-parenting because there's so many people that think that they have to tell their kids or the whole world that they're dealing with a toxic co-parent yes they can tell their truth but the thing is is that it's better for them to teach their kids how to come to their own conclusion it's better for them to ask their children questions when the kid comes home and says well daddy says you're a liar well do you think i'm a liar right i to you you don't have to tell them that their dad is a lying whatever okay you have to ask them questions because that's what we want to do we want to react and defend ourselves well how dare they well i'm going to tell them no no you have to be strategic when you are dealing with a toxic person, you have to not go outside of your character because all that does is prove that toxic person right when you sit there and disparage, which means tear down their character when they tear down your character. It yeah. doesn't make you any better to tear down someone's character who's tearing down your character. You have to learn how to communicate. And so you teach your kids because guess what? When you teach your kids that, then they grow up recognizing what manipulation is and they don't fall for it ever. And you've just spared them a possible yep. toxic relationship, possible toxic job, possible toxic fill in the blank. Yeah. Yep. It's so true. It's so true. So you talked a little bit about how you experienced some of that yourself in your family. Mm-hmm. Yes. Was it your family of origin mostly, or did that walk out in any other way in your life? So it was my family of origin. And unfortunately, like they still live in that toxic pattern. And now after four rounds of therapy, being out of that um, over 22 years, um, I realized that I can't change anybody. Yeah. And so I have recognized and cut people off now a lot quicker. So now I just, I, I'm, my mercy is in cutting you off. If you lie to me or you manipulate me in any way, I just cut you off. And that's my mercy. Yeah. It's my kindness to no longer participate with you because I do not have tolerance for abuse. I do not okay. tolerate abuse in my life. And if anyone tries to manipulate me, it's an abuse tactic. If condemnation yep. comes, it's a tactic of the enemy. I know mm-hmm. now. I will not yeah. be 
caught in a web of toxicity now because I recognize right. it from a mile away. Yeah. And so, yes, it did manifest in other places. I stayed in jobs too long. Okay. I stayed in relationships too long because they were Christians, but they were professing Christians. They were not uh, spirit filled Christians. Right. Okay? Difference between someone who's walking with the Lord and conversating friends of God and somebody who just says they're a Christian, shows up for church, does the service, but has no fruit and no um, uh, spirit of, of unity on them. Okay. So yeah. now I. No, you're just professing that, but you're not walking it out. So no, I'm not, I'm not dealing with you. So I just, now I'm just quicker. And that's why I want to teach Christians to be like that because yeah. the Christians are the ones that are getting smashed because yes. they think they have to stay in this toxic environment because that's what Jesus would do. No, 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 no. Jesus did not do that. He actually <laughs> cut people right. off. He called them out. He said, get behind me, Satan. He said, no, no. Yeah, that's right. So no, Jesus did not. So that whole message of, of staying with people that hurt you is wrong. It's not the gospel. That's right. Girl, you have got me all fired up because I say the same thing all the time. I struggled with a lot of the same stuff. And the messaging in the church over, by and large, is not that message that you just said. It's God can do anything. Just hold out. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times that we fight for people we love that are struggling, but there's a difference between fighting for someone you love that's struggling and, you know, interceding and being in a toxic pattern and allowing that to continue. And there are so many examples in the Bible where Jesus doesn't. And for years, I stayed in situations too long that I should have gotten out of because it was the Christian thing to do. And not even necessarily that, but, oh, well, that's what God would have me do or whatever, you know, because that's the messaging. And when I went through trauma counseling, I also had to revisit spirituality and God. And I just dug into the Bible in a totally different kind of way. And I realized I'm like, it doesn't say any of that. You know, I mean, yeah. Are we supposed to be gentle with people? Yes. Are we supposed to not respond with toxic behavior? Yes. But are we ever supposed to put up with abuse? No, 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 no. And are we supposed to put up with evil behavior when it's either against us or others? No. Jesus threw tables over in the synagogue. Jesus even told his parents to get off his back because he was doing his father's work. He told his mom and brother that they weren't any more important than the other people he was talking to and set a boundary with them. He set boundaries to go off and pray and take time by himself separate from people to rest, you know? So there are so many examples of that. So sorry, I, I kind of took over for a second, but I'm so with you. Like you, that's, yes, you're firing me up. <laughs> Good. I'm glad, Brittany. This is, let's talk about it. Let's go to the church. Let's have a conversation about what trauma healing actually looks like, what holding yeah. uh, perpetrators of abuse accountable actually looks like, what behavior yes. actually looks like. Let's stop throwing women and children out of the church and covering abuse and saying, stay with your abuser, yeah. cover the abuse, um, yeah. get the help you need, because what it's doing is it's turning people away from God. That's Most right clients were hurt by the church because the church told them to stay with their abuser. Yep. And that's another reason why I'm not a Christian business because I want to be somebody that is actually safe for people yeah. that get thrown out of the church because yep. I, I don't want them to go to someone that's actually going to hurt them. 
Right. I want them to find somebody that actually understands what what's happening and what spiritual abuse does to the soul. Yes. Because I do deliverance. Yes. I'm in and deliverance minister. So when they come to me and if they do have Jesus, actually provide care in a way that will actually bear fruit, you know? So yeah, I just, I, I want to see the church step up and become a safe place for people. Um, and not a safe place for abusive people, but a safe place for victims. Right. I need church to shift. Yes. And so I... that's my prayer and my intercession. Yes. My call to intercede on this area is that the church would have their eyes opened um, and because they should be horrified that they're protective for the abusers and not. Yes. For the, they should be like, oh, we've been we've been doing this wrong. Let's do it right now because we should be the first to make the change. Absolutely. We're the leaders. Absolutely. And it's like abusive. I mean, I'm, I don't ever put abuse in a category with a gender or socioeconomic anything because women can be abusers, men can be abusers, any socioeconomic level, anything. An abuser is an abuser. I actually like calling victims targets and a yeah. target is a target. Yes. Because abusers target people. The only reason I do that, I do believe, you know, they have been victimized, but I won't categorize someone as a victim only because they are empowered by God to heal and yeah not just survive, but thrive. But yes, what you are saying, you know, I have heard, I know people specifically who had stayed with abuser and abuser very for a very long time. And then when they finally got out and were even scared for their own safety, someone told them, well, God hates divorce. Mm -hmm. And I looked at her and I was like, yeah, God does, but so do people. And God also created divorce. Mm -hmm. God divorced Israel himself. He was the first divorce. He had to divorce himself from Israel because of hardness of hearts. And then he created divorce for the same reason. Does he want it? Is that the way he intended it? Absolutely not. He intended people to be in healthy covenant relationship with each other for a lifetime. But abuse is not a healthy covenant relationship. It brings no glory to God to have abusive relationships. That is the opposite. It's like twisting what God made to be beautiful into something sick. He doesn't want that to continue. He created divorce because of hardness of hearts so that people could be free to live the way that he actually intended them to live. Yes. Yep. The solution is obvious. It is yeah. an end, but the people have to be willing to be educated. Yes. And so that's been my catch and my prayer and why I'm interceding so much is because I'm like, okay, Lord, it's going to take one church to model healthy trauma protocols for mm -hmm. all the churches to get in line. And you're going to have to open that door for me, Lord, because you know my own frustration. And I don't want, I don't want to go in there and be like, listen here, church, you know, <laughs> this is what you've done. And this is everything. I won't do that because that's not my place, but that's right. But my frustration is there, which is why I still think I'm in intercession. Yeah. And I'm not allowed or released to do this yet because my heart is still being healed from my own spiritual abuse. Right. And so yeah. if God wouldn't have allowed me to go through it, I wouldn't know how to heal it. Yeah. 
I wouldn't know what's needed. I wouldn't be in this position that I'm in now to be an undercover trauma healer slash intercessor deliverer slash you're getting free, man. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get you free. (laughs) It doesn't matter what it takes. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Like freedom is the answer. And yes, ever means necessary. We can do it. But you know what, Brittany, it's education. It's like learn the abuse cycle in the marriage, premarital counseling. Let's have a trauma counselor coach on staff at the church. Let's have a safe house for women and children. Let's have accountability for abusers. Let's have a place for abusers to go Mm -hmm. when they need to be rehabilitated. Okay. Cause I'm Mm -hmm. not saying everybody just destroy every family because I I would never say that. I'm saying let's, let's be wise church. Like you said, I think there need to be more resources for men too. There has to be, has to because there's almost nothing for men right now. They come to me, Johnny Depp. Yeah. Johnny Depp's story. Oh yeah. Okay. So men come to me because for some reason God has made it. So they feel like they can talk to me. I have the same thing happen. Yes. So they do tell me that they're having issues and what do I do? Because there is nowhere for them to go. Right. There's nowhere. It's even, you know, it's terrible because they're sort of I want to say it's a catch 22. There are programs that even tell them to come, but then depending on who they get at that resource, they might not get helped. Right. Right. Yep. And so, yes. Yeah. It's, it's a double standard and it should not be. It's interesting. I think I'm like you, men feel comfortable coming to me. I actually know more men that have been abused than women. Wow. And I think it's because I grew up with all guys. I, my brothers, like I'm the only girl in my entire family. Right. So there's just this part of me that's like, oh, I'm one of the guys, you know, like it's just yeah. always been that way. It's natural. And I'm in music. So in music, singers and stuff are often women. There aren't as many female musicians that are like playing guitar and whatnot. So I'm surrounded by guys. I just like, it's, it's the nature of the business, but guys come to me because I openly talk about it and they know that I'm not hating on them when I do it, you Mm -hmm. know? So they feel safe reaching out. And I've been so disturbed at some of the stories I've heard over time that they weren't met with the same resources, you know? And I, I'm really passionate like you about education because I feel like if we educate on what abuse and manipulation and toxicity looks like ahead of time, you're so much less likely to end up in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I know like I, I was in an abusive situation. Well, I had some stuff in my family of origin too. They're not abusers, but there were toxic cycles that happened that I didn't understand or know how to break. And frankly, neither, neither did they, you know, but then I ended up in an abusive situation when I was really young, also a, a relationship, but No one, you know, people in general are not taught, hey, when you meet an abuser, they actually shower you with constant attention and affection and they flatter you nonstop and they don't really give you space by yourself. You know, they don't teach you that most of the time because you're generally not taught to look out for evil behavior, right? Like we're, we're taught fairy tale love stories. We're taught all of this stuff. We're not taught to look for the bad in people generally. And that's kind of a a weird way to say it, because it's not that we're looking for the bad in people, but we have to be aware to be discerning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that 
we're sort of built in with a sense of radar with the Holy Spirit a bit because I still had some gut reactions to red flags early on, but because I didn't know what that was, I could brush it off, you know, like, oh, well, yeah, that's, it's a little weird. I mean, I do feel like I don't have the same level of independence that I used to. And like, maybe I should have more time by myself. And it feels a little weird that I don't, but, but maybe this is just what it looks like when someone really loves you. And because there was no education about it, you know, I mean, I wasn't taught about what abuse looks like on the front end. Now coming out of it, like you, it's like, I can look at that. And now I can sniff it out in a room. Like I can smell the behavior almost. I don't even have to see it. I'm like, where is it? I feel it, you know? And I can hone in on, and I can see it when it's going on with other people from the very beginning, because there's nothing like love bombing and the kind of possessive manipulation behavior that goes around that, you know? But education is so key. Because as a 20-year-old girl, I didn't know any of that. And it was easy to be sucked in because it's a seductive thing. That's part of it. Part of abuse and the abuse cycle and the toxicity cycle is seduction. That's why manipulation is such a huge part of it. Yes, it is. And the, the very simple shift that we can make very easily is teaching um, coping skills for stress and overwhelm in elementary school, which is what I do. Mm -hmm. I go the schools and I teach kids that everyone has a personal space and I call it respecting the bubble. And so everybody respects the bubble. And then we learn about breathing. And so it's like, when someone takes our toy, what do we do? Well, their first initial response when I'm in the classroom, we hit them, (laughs) you know, we, we take our toy back. And then I teach them, well, that's, yes, of course, that's our first thought. Of course, we want to be like, how dare you? But we, but instead of hitting them, We take a minute and we take a deep breath and we think Yeah. and and we don't have to act like they acted. Okay. Yeah. That stops it. And then the second thing we can do is in church, in premarital counseling and not just church, but in any premarital counseling, therapy, church, we learn about the abuse cycle, gaslighting, manipulation, love bombing. Half of those marriages wouldn't happen. I agree. I agree. That's it, Brittany. I found a simple solution. Now let's implement it. Okay. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And how about the dating gurus or the self-proclaimed dating gurus actually talk about that for a change, right? Instead of teaching bizarre manipulation tactics. Hello. You don't even have to manipulate. I can't stand that because I know. Is, is like when you meet someone that you connect with, there is no games required. No games. That's right. Zero. So, well, I mean, yeah, I guess I could put all them out of business. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Because those things are either just, you know, planning you for a relationship that's not going to work anyway, or they're pulling you into an abusive situation potentially yep. where just being yourself, no game playing, healthy mm-hmm. communication is the way to go. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So because we're talking about education, I would love it if you shared some examples of those things that we're talking about. Gaslighting, manipulation, love bombing, just so we kind of give a little bit of education to the viewership. Okay. Yes, definitely. So one of my, um, one of the most common manipulation tactics of an abusive person is invalidating your feelings. 
So the, the key is if I would say like, I, I, it really hurt me that you did this. The response would be like, no, it didn't. You're not hurt. I love you. No, you don't. You don't love me. Okay. That is how you invalidate somebody. Now, if you know anybody who tells you that your feelings are not true, they are not safe for you because feelings are neither right nor wrong. Your feelings deserve to be validated. Meaning when you tell someone that you don't like, you are upset about something, they're going to say, they need to say to you, I'm really sorry you feel that way. Is there anything I can do to support you? A healthy person won't try to fix you. They will want to support you. Yep. So you know, if you get a fixer or an invalidator, you're going to want to run. Yep. (laughs) I also, you were saying that the invalidation can come in a different form too, where it is projecting or redirecting a confrontation. Mm -hmm. So if you confront a manipulator or an abuser on their bad behavior and how it affected you, they will either blame you or blame any other person. They will deflect the blame anywhere that they can. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Or they will say you're doing exactly what they're doing. Yes. 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 And so, and so that is, uh, that is that and and people will stay in this dissociative state with an abuser for years. I've met people that have lost 40 years believing that they were the problem when it was clearly the other person that was yeah. and so mm-hmm. but you get so brainwashed and you believe that that's why we need to learn about it when we're kids and when we're going through premarital counseling because yes. it, our brains are so tender. We don't realize yes. how we um we can be uh, conditioned. Yeah. So Jesus did for me uh, back in the day, this was years ago now, is he asked me to stop watching television. And I was Mm -hmm. like, whoa, like, okay, sure, fine. But, you know, I didn't really understand for what. Right. And he showed me that listening to even the commercials, even listening to the commercial five times. Okay. It is now part of my brain. Right. Like, and I now have these pictures, which pictures are worth a thousand words in my head. And because I'm so visual, it was too much for my brain. Yeah. I was taking in too much information, watching television, picture after picture, after picture, after picture that it was clogging my spiritual walk with the Lord. Yeah. So once I gave that up and I stopped taking in all that input, I can now see in the spirit. I can now sense things. All of that garbage, I'm just going to be honest, is gone. Yep. I don't take that in. Do you know what I take in, Brittany? I take in a scenic view of a mountain, of the ocean, nature walk. I'm taking in that. And my brain freed from trauma to see the kingdom. Yes. That was one of the hugest or largest healing keys the Lord has ever given me is to give up that sensory input. Yes. Yeah. People aren't going to like that. And that's okay. You don't have to take that in and do it yourself, but the right. people that do or know, or this resonates with them, try it. See what right. happens. Your brain is unclogged for even 30 days. Yeah, absolutely. It made a big difference in my trauma healing. It made a big difference in my ability to comprehend, to understand revelation, to interpret. Yep. 
so it does change your brain when you um, decide what you take in, who you bring around you and what boundaries you set, because you were talking about that and you pulled that out about how Jesus set boundaries. Yeah. You, there's setting boundaries with time, setting boundaries with input, setting boundaries with the people in your life, setting boundaries. It's, it comes with everything. You even set boundaries on yourself. I'm not yeah. talk to myself this way anymore. Yep. I'm not going to allow abuse in my life. So that is what I stem everything from now because of my healing journey. As I say to myself out loud, I no longer allow abuse in my life. Yep. So when somebody starts to get sideways with me, I just don't allow that in my life. It's nothing personal. It's just that where you're at, I just, you know, and I don't even explain that, but I know that where they're at in their life, that's not okay for me. Yep. And I was only able to do that by obeying the Lord, Brittany. Absolutely. Well, and depending on where you're at too, and what you can or cannot deal with, you can have people in your life, but set very strong boundaries with them too, depending. Yes. So maybe there's a family member you don't want out of your life completely, but you do have to set boundaries when you're around them. Like maybe they're on the phone with you and they start getting aggressive with you you know what? I'm not spoken to that way. So I'm going to get off the phone right now. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. And you stay calm and you just shut down that conversation and exit it. You know, there are ways to have boundaries without completely shutting people out, but sometimes you do need to completely shut people out. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to a situation where I think someone's been routinely abused, I'm a strong believer that for somebody who has been targeted by an abuser and in an abuse situation or a relationship that's been focused on lying, manipulation, abuse, there has to be no contact. Mm -hmm. Even when there's like a co-parenting situation, there are ways to have really, really strong boundaries so that there's very limited contact at best. And actually there are some ways where you can go through a third party so that you don't have any direct contact. Um, they obviously take a third party group, but you were talking earlier about not reacting. There's a term in like the domestic abuse community called gray rock. Yes. And the gray rock just means, okay, they're, they're going crazy, but I'm just going to be like a gray rock here and not respond at all. And I'm going to exit out of the situation, which will make them spin out potentially, but it will protect you from the crazy. And you, you touched on something with the manipulation too. You said people will normally or often accuse you of exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So I want to just give a specific example of that. For example, if someone is lying and manipulating, they will often accuse the target of being a liar, mm-hmm. of being a liar or being a manipulator or accuse people around them that might have noticed the behavior and said something or express concern. Well, they're just a liar and a manipulator. They're just trying to come between us, that kind of stuff. I actually had posted something about manipulation recently and what it looked like. And someone had reached out to me specifically and said that their ex used to tell them all the time, you're just a liar. You tell little lies all the time, all these little lies. And they said, looking back now that they're out of it, if they were to approach it now, they would say, so what you're telling me is that you tell all these lies, all these little lies all the time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They tell on themselves. Yep. So protect, like you were talking about, and that is what, like you were saying with co-parenting, sometimes you have to. And for me, what I've done is I've blocked 
my co-parenting situation on all social media and I put on notice that you are blocked. And if you are looking yeah. at content, then you are cyber stalking. And I only communicate through email with him. And yeah. now because of the abuse still with the email, which I only check once a week because I'm not going to subject myself to abuse. Right. Is is still abusive as of yesterday. So now I'm going through a third party. I'm not going to be abused, even though I know that what it is and I, I'm not taking it personally. I'm not going to continue to subject myself to that. Yeah. And so now I told him, hey, you're going to have to go through everything because you're not going to have access to me anymore. You'll have to figure it out for you and your kid. But I'm yeah. not the um, third party between this. So you're going to because I'm not doing it. No. And, and you don't have to. That's I, the beauty of it. I, I'm not talking badly about him, but I am stating facts and I'm protecting right. myself. Yeah. And I'm asking my daughter lots of questions. How do you feel? Yeah. How do you want to do? Is this true? You know, because it helps her come to her own conclusion. And she's to the point where she tells her therapist, you know, you know, it's not about my mom. It's about how I feel. It's about what I want because she has her own stuff that's yeah. separate than mine. Absolutely. And it's so healthy for our kids to have that ability to speak. Most kids are silenced if they have an abusive parent and they can't say anything. And yeah. so they can't say it. So, so Maylee's having a very unique experience where she's being heard, seen, and validated at a very young age. That's so and good. I'm impressed with that. And God told me specifically, he would show me what he had intended for me through her. I love that. It's redemption. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sometimes God's redemption doesn't happen when we think it will or the way that we think it will, but he always redeems. Mm -hmm. He mm -hmm. always redeems. And he gives sevenfold when the thief has been caught. So there's going to be even more. <laughs> And that's so beautiful. I love that so much. He taught me a way, Brittany, to co-parent without coming out of my integrity. And now he created a course out of that. Yeah. So I, would, I, I was calling it toxic co-parenting, but now I'm calling it non-toxic co-parenting because I like yes. that better. Right. Just basically a vocabulary list, like what you were talking about. What is gaslighting, gray rocking, um, love bombing? Yeah. And how to ask your kids questions about how they feel and starting to name emotions so that they know how they feel when someone lies to them. It's not about attacking their parent. It's about literally discovering what it feels like to be lied to and right. going to handle that. Yeah. And absolutely. To be equipped with that. Absolutely. We need to be equipped with that. <laughs> yes, it's true. Well, and you were just sharing about, you know, the steps that you kind of went through it. I kind of felt in my spirit, like we're supposed to address this. A lot of people don't know how to get out of abuse because they see all of these entanglements and things, and they don't know how to fully separate because often people that are abusive get entangled in not just one area, but all the areas. I mean, obviously with marriage, but even in dating relationships, Abusive people tend to entangle themselves in your work. They tend to try to entangle themselves with family and friends. Basically, they try to insert themselves into every aspect of your life and pull you into theirs in a lot of ways because when they do that, they, they can gain more control. Mm -hmm. So I know that 
a lot of people say that the reason they didn't leave sooner or the reason they left and then went back is because they didn't really see the way out. They didn't see how to untangle these pieces. And it felt like there wasn't a way. But I just feel like we're supposed to say there is a way. It's possible. What they have wanted you to believe that you can't survive on your own or that you can't get away from that, that's a lie. Even when you have a child with a person, you do not have to put up with abuse. Shannon just gave a great example of that just now. You know, you talked about that, how you kind of did a process, okay, email only. Well, this isn't working anymore. Now we're getting a third party involved. So I just I just want to encourage the listeners, like if there is anything like that, there is a way around that. There are resources. And if you don't want to reach out to like a national abuse hotline, reach out to Shannon. You can reach out to me. I'm happy to help look for resources even for a specific area. Or, and I know Shannon would talk you through ways that you can set healthy boundaries to get out of situations that are not healthy and not serving you mentally, physically, spiritually, or your children or the people around you. Because abuse doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help anyone to stay in abuse. It doesn't help the children. You know, I know a lot of people stay longer because of the kids. But the way I look at it, your kids could know an abusive environment all the time, or they could know a healthy environment at least half of the time. Yes. The first thing I would say to you, if you're listening and you are in an abusive relationship is do not tell your abuser that they are abusive. In fact, go completely docile, meaning just act like everything is okay. Start stashing money away somewhere where they can't trace it, but a little bit, even five bucks, 10 bucks, stash it up and hide it, but act like everything is okay. But everything is not okay because you're now aware that you're on an abusive situation and there's help. Yeah, And then you can find the local uh, domestic violence hotline and believe it or not, they are very, very helpful. And like Brittany said, you can call me because I, and I will tell you the same thing. Yeah. Act like everything is okay. I did not want to start saving money. I got a bank account behind my husband's back when we were still married. I didn't want to do it because I wasn't the liar in the relationship. Okay. But my friend was like, you have to do this. He's yeah. taking care and let me tell you, when I finally did flee, I had money and he drained the bank accounts three times. If I had not have prepared ahead of time to leave, yeah. I would have had nothing. But because I prepared and I had money, his draining the bank accounts meant nothing yes. to me. Okay. Right. But everything to most of the women that I help because they are not prepared. Yep. They are not prepared to leave. Yep. So just make sure you just keep your cool. And yeah. start watching for patterns. Just watch so that you can see how how unauthentic they are. Just like mm -hmm. Satan uses the same tactics, so do abusers. Mm -hmm. They are not original. They use the same tactics over and over and over again. Yes, why? They do. Because they work. Just like Satan. Yep. Why? Because it works. Yep. Yeah. So the cycle of abuse, because this is a pattern, right? Yeah. It generally goes through a phase where there's love bombing and that actually feels good. They call it the love bombing and then devalue and then discard. Although discarding doesn't necessarily mean they leave. It could just mean that that's where the abuse happens. So generally after someone is abusive and maybe you even get upset, maybe they almost lose control over you because you do get out or you want to or something, they will go back to love bombing usually because it helps them regain control. And then it, it kind of 
starts this thing of, oh, well, maybe they're not so bad. Maybe they are apologetic this time. A lot of abusers won't apologize, but some will. But when they do, it's because they get something out of it. The nice things that an abusive person does, it's never for you, it's for them. Everything they do is to gain something. So even if they're doing something nice and you think, well, they do all of this nice stuff well, but they have a motive in that. You know, maybe they're helping you with a lot of things with your work, but their motive is actually to control your work. They want to have their hands in your work because then you don't have that separate from them. They can control finances. They can get into that area of your life. It might seem like help, but actually it's involving themselves in something that would normally be separate and it gives them more control and power. You know, same goes for, oh, well, you know, they've befriended your friends or people around you. Well, that that is healthy also at times, but sometimes you, you need people separately too. In healthy relationships, there's always time away from that person with other people as well. So one of the things I just want to encourage people to look for in a pattern is do they isolate you from other people in your life that are good people, like long-term friends, family members, that kind of a thing? And when you look at whether or not you are being isolated, look at this too. Maybe you do see those people, but they are always there when you see them. Do you ever get alone time with your loved ones separate from them? Because isolation is a huge tactic also. It's just another way to keep you away from the truth and from people that can be another voice. I know from my own experience and like experience helping others that a lot of the time what an abusive person does is they actually want to become your only support system. Because if they can eliminate your other support, if they can be the only person that makes you happy, the only person that upsets you or whatever, if they can eliminate your other support and they eliminate the other voices, they have way more control because they, when you hear it's, it's the brainwashing thing that Shannon had talked about before. When you are hearing one thing over and over and over and over again, it's really hard to not at least entertain that belief. But when you're hearing truth mixed in with the lies, at least you know that there is a truth and you can try to cling to that, you know, which kind of brings up gaslighting. Would you like to talk a little bit about gaslighting and what that is like? Yes. Gaslighting is, um, is what, what I was saying where it is, um, invalidating your feelings. So it is saying that you do not feel the way that you feel. It is saying that you are not experiencing what you're experiencing. It's saying that you are doing what they are doing. Yep. So gaslighting is, it creates cognitive dissonance in your brain. And like Brittany was just saying, you believe what you're being told. You yep. get conditioned and you get brain damage from that kind of abuse because internally you know it's wrong, but you just stay in it and you keep believing it. And so your internal um, spirit, soul, heart is an, at conflict. It's in, it's at war. Yeah. And so you live in a constant state of fight or flight. Your body cannot relax. There is no peace there. And your body can only maintain that for so long. That's why so many diseases come out of this. That's why so many mental health diagnoses come out of it because your body cannot sustain fight or flight. That's it's right. Cortisol. 
Yep. Not meant to sustain that. I mean, scientifically, you can't do it. It's amazing that we last so long. It's amazing yeah. that we stay in abusive relationships as long as we do that. We Our body doesn't just shut down. And a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have phantom diseases. They can't figure out what the source is or fibromyalgia. Fibromyalgia mm-hmm. stems from unresolved trauma. Yep. Totally. So I have seen it over and over and over again. Auto- a lot of um, autoimmune diseases. That's what I was going to say. It is, a, it is a root of trauma. Yep. And so, um, and yeah, I mean, I will just, I would just like to just pray that the Holy Spirit would release the root to you yes. so that you can handle the root if you are suffering. Yes. But I want you to know that you cannot heal in the environment that you're being abused in. You That's right. You can't stay there and heal. So you do yeah. move. You can call one of us, you can call the national hotline, but you can't stay there and heal. That's right. Yeah. You know, there is a statistic that says people often leave their abusive partner sometimes up to seven times before leaving for good. Mm -hmm. And that's because of this pattern of love bombing and such. And often it's because when you do leave, this is an interesting reality. You actually can go through withdrawal symptoms. Oh yeah. Because being in abuse mimics an addiction and what happens in your body with the cycle of abuse with the high highs and then the crashes because of the love bombing and the abuse and love bombing and abuse actually mimics addiction and the way that you would respond to drugs in your body. So you've created essentially a trauma bond with that person and it's easy to be pulled back in. Like Shannon was saying, you cannot heal in that environment. And I can tell you that even when I got away from the abuse situation that I was in when I was younger, it took me going no contact to really heal my brain. Like I was out of it. I wouldn't go back, at least not completely, but he still had access to me for a while where he could talk to me and he could mess with my head. It took me six months, I want to say, of being away from him completely and not having any contact before I even realized one day that I had been abused. I could have told you before that it had gotten toxic and I couldn't take it anymore. Like I couldn't take the ups and downs, but I didn't even recognize it as abuse until I'd been away because my brain had to get away from the constant manipulation and the constant love and the constant stuff. It had to get away from that in order to actually have my own thoughts about it again. Yeah. It took a detoxing period. Yes. And there is a detoxing. So if you get away and you wonder if you've made the right choice, have grace with yourself and give yourself the grace to take real time away so that you actually get the detoxing period where you do not allow them to talk to you, where you do not allow contact, where you allow your loved ones to have voices in your life again and to share with you so that you can get the toxicity out because you have to detox from the lying. You have to detox from the manipulation. And if you allow that voice back in, you're still healing your mind. You're still healing your heart. You're still trying to find your own thoughts. I know that kind of sounds funny, but when you're constantly being bombarded with manipulation, it's you kind of stop thinking for yourself in the same way that you used to. 
And it takes time to find your own thought pattern and voice again. But you have to be away from the constant push. And it really, you have to. So I encourage you, even if you're unsure, find a way to get time away. If there's any way to do that, find a way to get space where you can, even in the process of trying to get out, get moments and time where you can detox your brain, where you find safe ways to let people that you are close to in, to talk and share and and even be honest with you about what they've seen in you and in the situation, you know, because that's important. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody gets to speak into your life, but I guarantee if you're in a situation like that, loved ones will notice certain things. Most people in my life did not know I was going through abuse. There were like two people that spoke up, but they could still see often that my stress levels were off or that things were happening that weren't great. So it's important to have that time away and pay attention. And I just want to add one thing to what you said about gaslighting too. Sometimes they will gaslight about actual events. They will try to rewrite history Mm. where you can say, this is what happened. And they'll say, no, that's not what happened. You're not remembering it correctly. This is what happened. And they will actually rewrite an actual event. And you might know, no, this is what happened. But then they tell you over and over. And if they have any way to be the only other voice about that, then at some point you start questioning it. So just be aware of that too. The original term came from a movie. I think, was it called Gaslight? Mm -hmm. But basically a man tried to make his sister seem crazy by messing with the old gaslights in their home. And when she would see them flickering and say something, he would say, it's not flickering until she started feeling crazy so that they could try to take inheritance from her. So anyway, that's, that's all. I just wanted to throw that out there, but and there's a lot to that. Yeah. If we can believe that we're crazy, okay, we will lose our inheritance. Yep. Because yeah. we forfeit it by believing a lie. Yep. And so yeah. that happened to me for years. I didn't know who I was in Christ because I was told right. I was crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, wow, hello. And so <laughs> your brain is so easily manip- manipulated that we have to be careful. And that's why education is so important. And true education is so important. Yes. Yes. You know, I was talking to someone the other day and one of the tactics that abusive people use a lot is using a target's good nature against them. Mm -hmm. And this person was talking to me about how they really don't think that the person knows what they're doing. And in a sense, they were still kind of trying to figure out like, well, maybe if they got help or what is it that's wrong with them? And I finally just said, this might sound harsh, but I need you to hear me. They know exactly what they're doing. They have calculated ways to manipulate you in this situation. They know what they're doing. And I asked this question, you're talking about this, like this is something they can't control or it's from trauma in their past or it's a mental illness or whatever. Do they act that way in public around other people or do they put on a different show around certain people? Can they turn it on and off? And the person said, wait, do you know them? Have you met them? And I said, no, I don't have to meet them. 
<laughs> they're an abuser. That's what they all do. Every single one of them acts the same. It might be in different flavors and different colors. They might project in different ways, but it's the same tactic, like you were saying. It shows up in the same patterns. That's how you can tell. What do they put on in front of other people? Where do they turn it on? Where do they turn it off? You know, and they do. They know exactly what they're doing. And I told that person that the best thing they could do for themselves was to stop trying to figure out what's going on with them or how they've been hurt or anything else. Top, stop trying to figure out a way to fix that and instead educate themselves on the patterns of abuse, recognize that that person knew exactly what they were doing to hurt them uh -huh. and learn about it to get out. Because I know from my own experience that, you know, a good person that is not abusive doesn't, that we're not taught to look for the evil in a person. We're not taught to look for that. We are actually taught to look for the good. <laughs> And when you don't know or understand the patterns of abuse, you start looking for the good, but then that gets used against you. They use guilt against you, you know, well, you're lying or you make me feel bad when you do this or, you know, how could you talk to that other person of the opposite sex? Like you must be cheating. You know, it's all of these things that those are normal, healthy behaviors, healthy relationships. You're still able to talk to other people. You're still able to have other friendships, you know, with healthy boundaries, but you're still able to have other friendships, but they use like your good nature against you. They use guilt tactics. They use tears sometimes. And I told him, I said, I know it can be hard to grasp that you fell into a situation that you didn't realize you were with someone that calculated pain against you because I've been there. Like, that's a hard thing to grasp that, wow, this person that I thought I loved basically fabricated all of this. It was kind of, it was based on a lie and they actually hurt me purposely over time and took control, you know, and I didn't realize it. I didn't get out. Like, how did I not realize that? That's a hard truth to swallow. But I can tell you this, that that truth is still better than the lie because the truth gets you out. And the truth is that even if you didn't notice at first, it's not because anything's wrong with you. It's not even because your discernment is bad. It's because you're a good person who was taught to look for the good in people, who was taught to operate out of the good. And because of that, you probably actually had gut reactions to things. You probably had discernment that you overrode from what you were taught and what you did believe about what it was to be a good person and to do these things. And now I encourage you when you look back to even recognize those places where you may have had discernment pop up that you overrode because that's where you'll learn to trust yourself again. And I can encourage you with this now that you know, now that you have experienced it, you can never unexperience it and you will never be duped like that again if you truly allow yourself to believe the truth, to understand the patterns and what that means and to heal. Yep. And if you, you can use a simple trick, if they are um, blaming you or shaming you, they're toxic. Yep. So it's time to set a boundary if they're blaming you or shaming you. And like Brittany said, you don't have to cut them all the way off. I'm just quicker because I grew up that way. So I just have zero yeah. tolerance for it. You don't have to cut everyone off. You can just have strong boundaries with them. Yeah, I would say that depends on the relationship too. If you're in a relationship, like a partnership, 
dating relationship with someone like that, I would say you need to cut that off. That's that's not something that can continue because that is a pattern of abuse you can't separate from if you're a partner with someone. And I would even say like business partnerships, that's an unhealthy because you cannot trust that person. That is not a trustworthy, safe person. But if you're talking about a friend that you only see at certain times, or if you're talking about a family member where you don't necessarily want to cut off that whole section of the family, but you need to have solid boundaries, it's okay to set seriously solid boundaries and limit the time that you have with them and just make sure that if they go into toxic behavior, you don't allow it. Because this makes me think of something else too. You know, you were saying earlier, Shannon, that we need to hold abusers accountable. Well, we're going to go into this good nature thing here for a second, because what makes the true goodness of God in this is not that we let behavior slide. It's not that we put up with abuse. It's not that we allow it. It's actually that we hold it accountable because when we hold it accountable, they have a chance to make a choice to get better. And if they don't, that's completely on them. But if you allow yourself to stay in a situation where you are being abused or you allow abuse to continue around you, they have no reason to ever get better. Yeah. That's so good. Accountability is so important. I mean, you know, for me, like when I was with my ex, he had good qualities as well. He was very traumatized, but he chose to not get better. And there are different levels of abuse. There are different levels to toxicity even. But the reality is, is that it's if it's toxic, it's toxic and you need out. And for a long time, I let my care of him and the trauma that he had gone through to make me think, well, you know, maybe I'm a good influence on his life. Like I'm probably the only healthy person around him. So if I'm gone, then what does he have? You know, which is totally a crazy lie. Like I am not anyone's savior. No one else is my savior. God is our only savior. And we have to be accountable to ourselves and to our own healing. But what I finally realized was that staying with him through the abuse did not help him get better. It actually just made me sick. And what I realized was that if he had any chance of facing his issues and getting better, the only chance that he had was if he lost the things that he controlled, manipulated, and abused to get. Because if if they continue getting what they want and getting all the things laid out for them, well, I mean, you're basically paving the road to hell for them because they have no reason to get help. They have no reason to change. And that doesn't mean that it's your responsibility. It doesn't even mean they're going to. A lot of people choose not to change because they could just go and target someone else. But you do not have to be the punching bag anymore. You do not have to be the one whose life is being twisted around and torn up because of it. And I can tell you that no matter how good any love bombing feels, it is nothing at all compared to a real relationship with someone that truly gets you, loves you, and allows you the freedom to be you and experience life alongside them and not entwined with them. There's just a different level of happiness. And it it might take time to get to a point where the intensity of abuse that you've experienced isn't what feels like the craving anymore, but it's so worth it because 
the stability and the real love and the real happiness and energy and health, like physical health, all of it that comes from being in a healthy situation is so much better. And it is so worth it. So worth it. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. One more question for you, Shannon, before yes. we let you go. If you could tell the audience one nugget, like to kind of take from today, to take with them, whether it's a piece of wisdom, encouragement, what would that be? So this morning I was reading in Genesis, actually Genesis 41, and it says, um, it isn't in me. God will give an answer that will set his mind at peace. And it just reminded me that it isn't in me. God will give the answer that will set your mind at peace. We can, as, as healers, hold space for you, but it's Holy Spirit that does the work. It is not in me. But God will give an answer that will give your mind peace. And that is my blessing and my declaration over you today. Yes. Amen. So good. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. I've loved hearing you share. And I just want to encourage our listeners to check out A Trauma-Informed Way and look into what Shannon does and shares. She shares a lot of free resource also, but you can also work with her as a coach. So I encourage you to check out her stuff. Yes, please do. I have a, a five-day stress detox coming up. It's $5. I have a parenting class coming up. And then I have a ton of free resources on Facebook, a free 90-day coaching program for survivors of traumatic experience. So please check that out. And a PTSD quick test, which will help identify some of your symptoms and see if you might be struggling with some symptoms of PTSD due to your traumatic experience, because it just helps you feel better to know. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. I love that. You're awesome. Have a blessed day. And thank you for joining us, listeners. I will talk to you next time. Bye. I'm burning to